The Oscars happened. They did. And we had... Did you watch it? Yeah, a little bit. I was at work, so... I, I watched only... it from start to finish. And wow. let me tell you, it was mediocre at best. Yep. Except for Bong Joon-ho, who was the greatest part of the Oscars probably ever. Jeez. That's <laughs> high praise. Yeah, I've only watched the Oscars a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured. So, yeah, we uh, this is going to be our Oscars episode, because at the end of the episode, we have a special guest... Did we even mention it last time? Yeah, I think we, we, we mentioned it in was? our sports episode. Do we mention who it was? I think so. Oh, Adnan Verk, who was an ex-ESPN employee, but a movie I feel like There fanatic. are better ways to advertise them than Well, I mean, if, some, if I say he works, I mean, more people will know. Works that. for MLB Network. Yeah. If you Even if you don't know that, you can figure it out. A lot of people know what ESPN is. He also though. hosts Cinephile, which is a very big movie podcast. He right. also works for DAZN, which is a very quickly growing company in sports media. He is and a movie fanatic. He, and he knows what the heck he's talking about. And CJ reached out to him on Twitter. Good job, CJ. And we booked him for the podcast. And he came on earlier today, and he gave us 15 minutes. We're going to play that interview at the end. Um but yeah, the Oscars happened. They did. And we already did that. Le- and leading up to the interview we had today, we've been binge watching Oscar movies. Right. Um, I saw 1917, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, and uh, there's probably more. I saw those three before the Oscars happened. Yep. Um, and then after, I watched Parasite the other night, and then I watched Marriage Story last night. I was up late watching that one. Um, I thought it was a great year for movies, honestly. Yeah, there was a lot of good ones. Uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last oh, right. night. I saw that one, too. I didn't love it. Yeah? It was kind of slow to me. I yeah. started to fall asleep towards the end. No, that's, that was my thing. With it. it was kind of slow, but it, I don't know, Tarantino movies are weird because sometimes they're faster paced. Right. But he's huge on like dialogue and stuff. I'm also not entirely sure what the point of it was. Like I, I know what the storyline was. It just wasn't interesting. Yeah, it was just an idea of... Uh, just telling a story of what was going on in Hollywood at the time. Right, the from like three murders. different perspectives, kind of. Right, and there was a little, it was a twist on Sharon Tate getting murdered by Charles Manson's crazy people. Right. Because at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, spoiler alert, she doesn't die. Even though in real life that's what happened. So right. it was like a, it was just like what Hollywood was like. It was Yeah, it's kind of telling a story of Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like what happened, but at the end he changed the outcome. I also know it's kind of his thing, but I can't stand how poorly shot Tarantino movies are. And obviously, they're doing it on purpose, and I don't mean to say poorly shot, but I hate how everything was so red in that movie. Red? Interesting. Like, everything was bright red. Like, it was really overemphasized. Like, the skin, it looked like uh, Brad Pitt and... Not Brad Pitt. DiCaprio. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it looked like they had serious sunburn the whole movie because it was just shot in red. Interesting. I've never noticed that. It really bothered me. He does have a lot of blood in his movies, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, not all of his movies are red, but, like, they all have some sort of weirdness to how it's shot. Like, they might be a little bit dark or something like that. Did you see... Oh, Irishman, that was another one. Watch it back, you'll notice a lot of red. I don't know if I even want to watch that movie back again. I'd rather... I watched the last 20 minutes again, because watch, watch the preview again, and I'm sure you'll <laughs> notice. notice the redness. Um, Marriage Story, that was the other one, and then Irishman. Irishman was really good. I watched that yesterday. Irishman. I'm just writing down the movies that we can talk about. Um, yes, yeah, so no, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was slow. I mean, it was t- very 
Tarantino-esque with all the dialogue. He's big on dialogue, and he I think he's obsessed with his own scripts because he really focuses it. Like, every single and one of feet. his movies... Yeah, he loves feet, too. Every single one of his movies... Is, whoa, CJ. <laughs> every single one my... of his movies, he really emphasizes the dialogue and cinematography and all that. And right. this movie, it just... I don't know, maybe... It, I don't know, it just didn't catch my attention as much as the other ones I've seen. Like, by far my favorite of his is um, Inglorious Bastards. I yeah. thought that movie was amazing. Then you have... You know, like Pulp Fiction? I did. I, th- I think Pulp yeah. Fiction's overrated, though. Interesting. Because people have it on the pedestal of greatest movies ever, and I didn't yeah, think it was that I great. Yeah, I guess I don't have it. But I, maybe I'll need to watch it again, because that's another huge movie that's dialogue. See, but it's hard for me to say most overrated movies, because I'm sure there are movies that like people love that I just don't find even remotely good. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I like I look on IMDb's list, and I think it's in the top ten. And I, yeah. in my personal opinion, I don't think Pulp Fiction is one of the top ten movies. Well, but I think it's top twenty. Yeah, I, maybe. <laughs> so, like that's but, not that overrated. It's I mean, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it in my top twenty. But no? I can understand why people like it so much. I, I would I I would think I thought Django was better than Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Is he and Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, Hateful Eight. Oh, I love the Hateful Eight. What? He and Leo. Yeah, DiCaprio, I mean, like, director directors have their actors. Like uh, Christopher Nolan uses like the Christian Bale crew, right? Tom Hardy and all them, and then Wes Anderson uses Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody, and Bill Murray in every single one of his movies. Expand, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just like, but yeah, Leo's one of the guys that Tarantino really uses. Um. So, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt won for Best Supporting Actor. Yep. Which, was, which is fair because as much as he was a supporting actor... Yeah, he was great in that movie. And it almost felt like he was the lead sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, Leo got nominated, but I think they just nominated him for the heck of nominating him. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he was really that good. No. he was. De- I thought Brad Pitt was much better in that movie. And, like, the character was annoying, and I, like, I just thought there was no depth where they were trying to have depth yeah i don't know <laughs> but yeah so no brad pitt won that was his first win as an actor he won for a producer of 12 years a slave right but that was first, first oscar one yeah first yeah. oscar win which is wild i would have thought he would have won for more than that but as we've seen with people like john williams the composer for star wars he's gone five for 50 <laughs> in right. oscar nomination <laughs> so it's not the easiest thing in the world to win an oscar well, and, like <laughs> Brad Pitt is one of those guys, like, we know him, we know he's a good actor. What's he been in that we love? World War Z, I love that movie. But, like, that's not, not, an, Oscar that's not an Oscar movie, movie though. I love like, movie, Mr. Though. and Mrs. Smith, right? That was one of his first ones yeah. with Angelina Jolie. That was a good movie, but that's not an Oscar movie. Yeah, I've seen that movie. I'm going to Oscars winners right now to make sure we get nothing wrong. Oh, you're uh, going to Oscar winners? Oscarwinners.net. Nice. It doesn't really tell me who won, does it? Who's hosting the Oscars? <laughs> there is no host. Yeah, there was. That's the other thing. There was no host at the Oscars this there year. There was a really weird performance by Eminem, which was good, just kind of awkwardly thrown in there. <laughs> to see the crowd react, they like Martin Scorsese was literally sleeping. Yeah, I was watching with Drew, and I go, I wonder what Martin Scorsese thinks of this. And as soon as I said that, they they scanned to him, and he's got his eyes closed. Nice. And we just burst out laughing because <laughs> I was like. Yeah, apparently he does like well, it too And then uh, Billie Eilish looked like she didn't know who he was. Oh, yeah, when I mean, Eminem came out? Unless <laughs> come was, on. Unless it was more of a, I don't know why Eminem's out here. I don't like rap, but you gotta know Eminem. I mean, yeah, it was the- and I feel like I would still get fired up for that. I'd be surprised by it. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I would still be pumped. All right, so I have a full list right here, CJ. Um, we'll get talk about Parasite last because that pretty much cleaned house. Yeah. So, did you watch it yet? I haven't. Um, so we have be- Best Actor, we had Joaquin Phoenix. We both we saw Joker together, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, no, you saw it after me. It was like the same day or something. You and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I thought he was great in that movie. Um, I know uh, Adnan Verk, you'll... Oh, he didn't mention it in our podcast. But in his own podcast, he really ripped Joaquin Phoenix's performance in right. that movie. We never got to ask him that. And he thought Adam Driver should have won for Marriage Story, which I watched last night, and he was fantastic yeah, was in that movie. Yeah, it was a really good performance. Um, I just, I don't think... I think Joaquin... But I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix was acting, because I'm starting to think he's a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird speech. Yeah, he started talking about artificially inseminating cows. I think uh, Chris Cody on The Levitard Show explained it perfectly. As he was talking, I was thinking, like, you know what? I I guess I I see where he's coming from. The second he was off the stage, I could have eaten a steak right then and there, and I wouldn't have thought twice of it. No, absolutely not. And, Um, like, I guess that's the thing. If you speak with enough passion... You'll capture attention, but that's just like that's too much. You can't just ask society to change to the point where we're not eating any more meat as a whole. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Or not using milk at all. Right. <laughs> like, um. So yeah, Joker won two Oscars. Uh, one for Joaquin Phoenix, who I thought was deservingly so the winner, and then uh, they won for original music score as well, beating out John Williams yet again. Brutal. <laughs> Poor John Williams. That was my favorite one that they announced because they had the orchestra that was there play each yeah. song and like slowly transition into really the cool. other one. Um, yeah. I don't remember the score in Joker. Like I don't remember the yeah. music being that like holy crap this is outstanding. But like there was music when he was dancing and the dancing was really cool. So was that what they wanted for that one scene? Well, they went it for all of the music. Yeah, but I just, I'm, like that was the only memorable he, music. But he scene. Da- he danced a handful of times though. He did, yeah. But, I mean, I remember the 1970s. I mean, obviously Star Wars, but I'm very partial to that. Right. In 1917, I remember the score being better, but I'm not. that's why I'm not in charge of the Academy. Um, and then we have 1917, which was one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, it was shot, and it looked like it was shot in one shot, like the camera right. followed him around. There was no cutscenes or anything. That one for best cinematography, which I thought was a great win for Roger Deakins. Who won for Blade Runner last year? Hell he's yeah, a, Roger! He's two for two. He's on a hot streak. Good work. Um, and they also won well, for best sound mixing, which I had to look up what that was compared to best. Also won for best visual effects. He's won three. Yeah, I thought that one was weird because I thought uh, Star Wars or Endgame would have gotten yeah, that because they used a lot of more visual effects. I would think. Um, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, Star Wars and Endgame it was the only. Oscar, Endgame was nominated for it, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, watching 1917, it looks more realistic than anything. What I guess gives them credit for visual effects, but I'm pretty sure like they recreated a lot of those sets. When yeah. I think visual effects, I think stuff that isn't there, that they add to it. Right. And like the one scene they showed was like the church burning. Yeah. That was like the visual effects thing yeah. that they showed, and that was it. So like Star Wars and Endgame are literally all visual effects. Right. So I didn't really understand that, but you know, good for 1917 at least. Um, an odd one here. I'm just gonna go. I'm just going through the list. Best costume design. I thought it was gonna be Joker for sure because of the. Well, no, I thought that was gonna be makeup. Is makeup on here? Live action film editing. I don't think there's. Yeah, any. makeup and oh. hairstyling. Huh. Bombshell won that, but I th- I thought for sure the Joker was gonna win that one. He was literally in like 
the clown makeup the whole time. Um, best costume design was Little Women, which I guess makes sense because they did a great job right. making it look like I, it. I, I say right, I have no idea what Little Women is. It's, was. A, it's like an old English movie, and they pretty much looked like they were from old England, so they did a good job there. Oh. Um, Jojo Rabbit was, more, I think... I think it might have been my favorite movie from last year. Yeah, I freaking I thought that movie was so funny and perfect. And uh, I don't know, I always get his name wrong. Taika Waititi, T I K A. I'll believe you. Yeah, he's the guy that did Thor Ragnarok, so I'm partial to him. But he won for best adapted screenplay. Um, I guess Jojo Rabbit was a book. Yeah, I didn't know that. I had um, never even heard of it until I saw a preview, and I was very surprised. So I saw the preview a few months ago, whenever it came out. And then time went by, I didn't think about it much. And then all of a sudden, when the Golden Globes started, I was hearing that it was really popular. And I was like, isn't that the movie with the kids and Hitler? Like, what yeah. the hell does that... Why is that winning an Oscar? The premise of the movie was that Hitler was his imaginary friend. Right. And it's, it was one of my favorite movies of the year. It was hilarious. It was heartfelt. It had pretty much everything you could want in a movie. And I just... I loved it so much. My um, first thought was, I can't believe they can make that movie in 2019, let alone have it go on to win awards <laughs> <laughs> right and it was i think yeah, it was mo- uh nominated for best picture yeah, there's a lot of nominations for best picture yeah parasite 1917 ford vs ferrari which i think won two oscars for sound editing uh joker once upon a time in hollywood the irishman little women jojo rabbit and marriage story so the only two i didn't see were ford vs ferrari which i did want to see i never got around to it and little women i did good this year so far, I think my favorite was The Irishman, but I haven't seen Parasite, and I haven't seen Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah. Or, or 1917, Or Little Women. Well, I'm not going to watch that. I, I, I mean, my favorite movie from last year was probably Endgame, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> but for some reason... We're also very partial <laughs> to Marvel. Yeah, but, I mean, it was a fantastic movie, and it, CJ looked it up the other day. It was the only movie to be the highest-grossing movie ever and not win an Oscar. Yeah, it was Gone with the Wind won 10 Oscars, I think. Yeah. And that was the highest grossing movie from 1939 to Star Wars or Jaws or whatever it was. Yeah, and so, I mean, no, Titanic. Old Titanic won a bunch. Yeah. It, well, it, uh, it won a good amount. Star Wars won one for... I yeah, think. no, Titanic is one eleven. That's the most ever. It's high for the most ever. That's Lord, the most ever. Lord of the Rings Return of the King went 11 for 11 at the Oscars. Oh, that wasn't the highest grossing movie ever, that's why. No, it wasn't, but... It, yeah, I think it's the only movie to go 11. Well, 11 for 11 is nuts. So Gone with the Wind won 10, and then they had the record until The Sound of Music, which won 5. Okay. Who had it until uh, The Godfather, that got 3. Then Godfather Jaws, was the that got highest th- grossing movie of all right. time. Oh. Then Jaws, that got 3. Then Star Wars, that got 7. Then... Star Wars got 7? Yeah. Holy crap. That was the original Star Wars, obviously. Then nothing till Jurassic Park. They got three. I didn't know Jurassic Park was number one. That's cool. And then Titanic in 1997 won 11. And then Avatar won three. And now Avengers Endgame has not won. So I'm looking up the Oscars that Star Wars won. Ah, oh, won six Oscars. And won Best, uh, Best Achievement Award for Sound Effects. Huh. Oscar winner for best art direction, set direction, best winner for costume design. Yeah, they've never seen anything like this when Star Wars came out. Best yeah. sound, best <laughs> film editing, best effects and visual effects, best score. Shout out to John Williams. Best picture nominee. Oh, Alec Guinness got nominated for best actor in a supporting role. Huh. 
Best nice. director, Lucas, and best writing, Lucas. Shout out to the original Star Wars. Um, yeah, so Endgame didn't win anything. It was only nominated for one, which was crazy. And also Marvel, Endgame didn't put anybody up for nominations. Yeah. they. I don't know. Like so I saw J.J. Uh, Abrams submitted every single person for Star Wars right. to be nominated. But uh, Marvel, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. wanted to be nominated for it. That's weird. Yeah. I don't get why. No, I don't understand that either. Um, they so, knew they would win. They wanted to keep it fair. Right. <laughs> uh, Marriage Story and The Irishman. I guess we can talk those about those two at the same time because they're both Netflix movies. Right. Um, the Irishman was good. I didn't think it was Scorsese's best. And it was also extremely long, which was which blew my mind. Um, but, yeah, that went, what, 0 for 10? The Irishman didn't yeah, win anything. That was disappointing. And you'll hear Adnan talk about it. I don't want to give too much of his interview away, but he'll talk about it, the whole Netflix versus cinema thing. Right. Um, and I think that hurt Marriage Story as well, because you, I mean, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver were great in that movie, but I mean, Laura Dern actually did win um, uh, supporting actress, supporting actress, right? Yeah. And she was really, really good. Yeah, she was. Yeah, I mean, the acting in that movie is phenomenal because it's not like a, it's not really a movie that's like fast paced or anything. Or no, it's kind, of, it's pretty slow actually. Yeah, but like the acting will keep you involved in that movie because it's real. And the weird part is you're seeing both sides of it and yet you still don't know exactly what they're thinking the whole time. Right. Because like the whole time I was like uh, Scarlett Johansson's character must be like trying to be nice about it and then Laura Dern would do something and I'm like oh I guess she's not and then I'm like but I don't know what they're <laughs> right. actually thinking Right. and I guess they did a good job of kind of making you understand their frustration with oh, each absolutely, other absolutely yeah even though well, they did, they portrayed an excellent job of like you felt for them at least yeah like, it was it was scary or real right and I saw people when this first came out because Scarlett Johansson gets a lot of flack for some reason on the internet because who doesn't honestly yeah, yeah that's fair um, and they're like this is like my parents arguing this isn't even that good I'm like no I don't think you understand because it's like your parents arguing it's that's really how good, good it is right because it makes you feel like holy crap I see this all the time it's like because that, that's how real it is right so I mean that movie it was a very good movie um, but yeah I mean they were both nominated and neither of them won but yeah, I think I'm not going to give too much of Adnan's point away. But I think Netflix does hurt the whole cinema thing. Yeah. Like, um, but I don't know. I watched The Irishman on TV. and We didn't stop. Like, even though it was on Netflix, we watched right. the whole thing straight through. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that movie, like, seeing it in theaters, would have done much for me. Any different as opposed to watching it on Netflix on TV. Yeah, but you are also someone who's able to put your phone down and. Yeah, I saw watch somebody a three-hour movie without an issue. I saw somebody on Twitter complaining about watching Parasite. Yeah, and they had to focus on it, which right. bothered them because they couldn't pick up their phone and look at it. It's like, and oh, I remember so you texting had to, you had to watch a movie. <laughs> right, I, I had to text CJ and I sent him a typo or something, and I was like, "I'm sorry, I had to, I have to pay full attention <laughs> right. to the movie because my typo makes no sense." But yeah, um, Parasite. We'll end with that one. Uh, I watched it the other night. It won, or Bong Joon Jun Ho won for go. best director. It won for obviously best picture. And what was it? Foreign film. There's another one it won for. Best foreign language film, best picture. Mm, best director. Or director. It was like some something weird though. Production design. No. Oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did win for that. Oh. Yeah. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won too. <laughs> I can't find it. I might have already skipped it. Sound editing. 
Yeah, I definitely went past it. But anyway, it won four, including the biggest upset of the night, which was Best Picture and Best Director. Right. But, like, I the less you know about that movie going into it, the better. Because so I've had a lot of people say... About it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna spoil anything about the movie. But I've, people keep thinking it's a horror movie. Yeah. Which is why people some people don't want to watch it. Right. Um, but it, it blew my mind. Can you give me the storyline, at least the first half of the movie? Because I know there's something at the end that people really enjoyed. Uh, the storyline is just a, it, a poor family, and then there's a rich family. Right. And I'm not good. The more I say about it, the more it's going to give away, and I don't want to give anything That's away. That's <laughs> uh, But, I mean, I think it absolutely deserved... It wasn't, like I said, Marvel Endgame was probably my favorite movie of the year. But, <laughs> I mean, director... And people are freaking out because a foreign film won Best Picture. Get over it. If it's the best picture, it's the best picture no matter what language Right, it, it doesn't matter. Where, like, if we're actually going to judge it by the best movies, then it's the best movie. It doesn't matter where it was made. Best original screenplay, so that was the other one that it won for. Right. So, yeah, it cleaned house. And, well, deservedly so. That movie was fantastic. I recommend everyone go watch it. I rented it on my sister's Amazon account. She saw it. She was like, what's this? And I said, everyone go watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I highly recommend... I mean, all these movies... I mean, this was a great year for movies. Honestly, the, was it, we talked about seven of them, and I think all seven were good movies. Yeah. Um, Netflix. I mean, Netflix didn't win, but Nef- the fact that Netflix can get nominated right, is it's pretty it's impressive in itself, for, especially for so many Oscars. The Irishman got ten, I think. Um, and it didn't win that award, but Laura Dern got something, so... right. Netflix didn't go home, not Netflix, but the producers didn't go home completely empty-handed. Right. And uh, I think the whole world fell in love if they weren't already with Bong Joon-ho because he was just awesome. Yeah. Saying he was going to drink until the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> drink until morning. Um, he was, and he shouted out Scorsese. It was just, it was just awesome to see. Like, he was hilarious. Yeah. He was going through a translator, and it was still hilarious. Right. You could tell how much he, like, he he said after he won Best Foreign Film, he didn't think he'd be back on the stage. Yeah. He won I, I, Best Picture and Best Director. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people didn't. Yeah. And then shout out to Toy Story 4 for winning Best Animated Feature. Always. Um, so, yeah, that was our Oscar coverage for the year. We are now going to present our interview with Adnan Virk and talk more about the Oscars. All right, so we're joined here by uh, Adnan Virk. Um, he's a uh, host of the Cinephile podcast, works for DAZN. Uh, what else? MLB Network. What else are you doing right now, Adnan? Yeah, so uh, MLB Network, NHL Network, which I did last night. I was reunited with my old friend Barry Melrose from ESPN. Uh, also, of course, DAZN changed up our baseball show coming back in a couple months. I fill in quickly on Sirius, Satellite Radio, MLB Network Radio, and, uh, of course, Cinephile, and the GM Shuffle, my NFL podcast with Michael Lombardi, which is probably, I think, the most popular thing I do. People love Lombardi. He's awesome. <laughs> so let's get right into the Oscars. Um, we'll start in a tough spot for you. You went 21 for 24 on the Oscars. What happened on the other three? <laughs> well, sound mixing and sound editing generally go hand in hand, so I figured... 1917 would go for both, but instead Ford versus Ferrari won one of those categories. But it was a spectacular night. I mean, the best I've ever done was 21 for 24 a couple of years ago when I was on the website Gold Derby. I was one of their experts' picks, and I won the award that year of like 25 people in terms of winning the best one. But this year, I actually don't think I should receive as much merit. One, because it was a fairly predictable Oscars. I mean, all those acting Oscars are exactly what we had thought. 
Um, original screenplay, I knew it was going to be Parasite. Adapted was a bit tricky. I thought it might be Jojo Rabbit. I thought it might be um, Greta Gerwig, but I went with Taika Waititi, and indeed he did win for Jojo Rabbit. Yep. But I, I get I should get points taken off though because the two ones that I missed were two biggest ones, which were Best Director and Best Picture. Now I have plenty of company because I don't think very few very few people thought uh, Parasite would win Best Picture, and even fewer thought Bong Joon Ho would win Best Director. Right. Uh, but as my friend Alpha messaged me, he said, "Listen, you're a sports fan. You got to know once Bong Joon Ho won Best Director, you should have changed your pick because it's like sports. The momentum's coming." Uh, but I just I was swayed by the numbers. Sam Mendes. For 1917, had won Best Director from the DGA, which is the most important one. That's the Director's Guild Award. So your, your fellow directors have given it to Sam, and he won right. 20 years ago for American Beauty. He had won the Golden Globe for Best Director. He had won the BAFTAs for Best Director. So for Bong Joon-ho to win was the most shocking win of the night, and it was a great, great moment. His speech was phenomenal. Of course, he thanked Martin Scorsese, who's my favorite director. He praised Quentin Tarantino for supporting Asian cinema. And then you get to Best Picture, and as I said, it was a surprise, but I don't think it's a shock, especially because Bong had won for Director, and the movie had won the SAG for Best Ensemble. So it's happened a few times in the past. That's the Screen Actors Guild Award. If you win the Best Ensemble, that's kind of the equivalent of Best Picture, and right. actors are the biggest part of the Academy. The Academy's about 8,000 members, and the actors make up 4,000 of them. So there's been precedent. Spotlight famously won the SAG Best Ensemble, did not win the other major award, which is the PGA. I was going with the PGA, Producers Guild Award, which yep. 1917 had won. Eight of the last ten winners of the PGA had won Best Picture, including Green Book from last year. So I remember the year that was Shape of Water and Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I went with Three Billboards because they had won the SAG Best Ensemble, but Shape of Water had won the PGA. So I said, okay, I'm not making this mistake against PGA uh, is the way to go. So that's why I was leaning 1917, as for many people. But for Parasite to win, obviously we all know it made history as the first uh, film, other than you know English not being spoken as the dominant language to win, you know, form from the win right. like that. But honestly, it's a spectacular film. I encourage everyone to see it. I don't know one person who didn't love it. And I think what happened is what I've been reading and listening to is a lot of Academy members have predicted, so well, I think 1917 is going to win. It's a really good movie, and it's classically made. It's a war film the Academy loves. But honestly, I loved Parasite. And enough of those people voted with their hearts and said, listen, this is the movie that I truly walked out thinking, that's a hell of a movie, and I'm so happy that Parasite won. Yeah, my only issue with Parasite was that I didn't see it soon enough. <laughs> I watched it yeah. two days ago, and I was blown away how great that movie really was. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, it won the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival, which is in May, so I already knew, of course, it was going to be celebrated. And it came out in theaters in November in New York City. And I remember the first weekend's, they were sold out in New York. There was a lot of buzz around them. My buddy Scott Rogowski, of course, we do change it together. Scott thought before me, he probably gave the most tepid review of anybody, and his review was, I'll give it 8 out of 10. That's the worst <laughs> review I heard. Everybody else there was like, oh, my God, it's going to blow your mind. So I took my wife to see it, and I told her, listen, this movie's supposed to be awesome. So we made sure we got a sitter, went and saw it. And I, I probably saw it late November, so I saw it early enough. But, I mean, it was amazing. It's a real word-of-mouth movie. Like I, like I said, I saw it late November, and then December – Golden Globe nominations come out. Now more people are seeing it, and then word starts to build. And, and Bong Joon-ho specifically, I think, is a big part of this. He's such a charismatic guy. He's very endearing. He's very funny. He's self-deprecating. I think that, you know, he was at every screening. I heard this story. They said that he got off like a 17-hour flight from Seoul, South Korea, and was there to, um, you know, present the, the, the uh, award and stuff. And it's like the fact that he was always – uh, able and gracious. Whereas Sam Mendes was making 1917, he got it finished at the end. Um, he wasn't really available for Q and A's. And as we all know, listen, a lot of this is political too, right? You got to be out there. Gonna... All right. Full disclosure. 
<laughs> we lost the connection halfway through the answer, but we got him back after some fixing of our phones, and here is the rest of the interview. We'll just skip ahead to the next question. Um, what kind of precedent does this set for a foreign film winning, you know, movie of the year and best director? What kind of precedent does Parasite set? Well, I think it's pretty big. I mean, listen, there's there's people saying, listen, I wish there had been a foreign film prior to this that had won Best Picture. Certainly, um, you look at a movie like Life is Beautiful, which I love, Benini's movie, in which she won Best uh, Actor, and, uh, you know, that won Best Foreign Film. I read somebody else saying, listen, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I wish that had been the first foreign film with Best Picture. That's also a great movie made by Ang Lee. But I think, you know, ultimately what you have here is a real battle between old Hollywood and new Hollywood. So, Old Hollywood certainly favors a movie like 1917. And I'm not disparaging the movie in any manner. I mean, my top ten, I had The Irishman as number one. It was my clear-cut favorite film of the year. But number two was Parasite, and number three was 1917. Now, after that, I went towards, you know, some of my indie movies. Number four was a great movie called Last Black Man in San Francisco. Number five was Midsommar. Uh, Number six, I had Marriage Story. Number seven, I think, was Blinded by the Light, which I wish people had seen. Number eight was The Two Popes. So my point is, I think that both of those films, you know, it came down to 1917 versus Parasite, but you have this real balance between Hollywood and New Hollywood. So old Hollywood is saying, all right, traditional, like I said, 1917 is a great movie, but aside from the fact it's looked to appear as one shot, we're going to get that movie again in two or three years, right? There's going to be another war film made by another great filmmaker. You know, we had Christopher Nolan do him, Kirk. You know, you've seen films of that ilk. And aside from Roger Deakins' incredible cinematography, which I'm so happy that one for yeah. that was a slam dunk, you know, the movie doesn't feel innovative. I mean, my wife saw it, she was falling asleep. She's like, well, what's the story? Like, she's like, big deal. The guy's just running across. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, well, you're seeing it. She's like, so that's the story. This guy's just going across. to bring my parents. And you're like, oh, my God, this story's all over the place. Yeah. Plot surprises. And so, like I said, old Hollywood, new Hollywood. New Hollywood won when Moonlight beat La La Land. That was a real touchstone moment. You go, oh, my God. Moonlight's a movie about a young black kid in Florida told in three different parts, made for no money, and that beats La La Land, which is a beautiful film, studio movie, love letter to Hollywood, great singing and dancing. Like That was a big upset. But last year, old Hollywood won. Green Book, again, which I liked a lot, but people that didn't like it said, oh, okay, this is your classic race relations movie, set in the 50s, right. 60s, can't we all get along? Yeah. It's very safe. It's very conservative. So this year, you went back to something more risky, more audacious. So... It's almost like uh, the battle everybody has with themselves, you know, right right versus wrong, good versus evil, you know, Hollywood, bad Hollywood. Depending on what side you're on, they're going to keep fighting that battle. But I do think now, yes, more foreign films are going to get rewarded. Not necessarily, it's not like you're going to see a bunch of foreign movies winning Best Picture, but if it's a great movie like Parasite, hey, precedent's been set now, the walls come down, other movies can do it too. Absolutely. And we'll wrap it up here. So we heard you on Cinephile talking about your favorite director being Martin Scorsese. And then another new Hollywood idea is kind of the Netflix movies that are coming in. What did you think of Scorsese not getting Best Director or Best Picture? And it was obviously your favorite movie of the year and a terrific movie. Yeah, it's upsetting to me. I mean, it went 0 for 10, which is also the same fate that befell one of Scorsese's other great films called Gangs of New York, in which there's a movie thought to be uh, front runner going into the Oscar season and unfortunately lost steam. I think a few things. I think, one, there's definitely Netflix backlash. I think people definitely in Hollywood say, hey, either we're with you or we're against you. And even Scorsese's good friend Steven Spielberg is not a Netflix fan, does not believe that it's fair that those movies get nominated. To be clear, 
I do understand their point. Other films have to be released in theaters, and then there's a 60-day window or 90-day window. Yep. I think it's 90 days before you can get out on uh, home video. Right. Whereas Netflix, as you saw, they put the Irishman on you know, two theaters, November 1st and November 27th. It's everywhere. So that's not fair to those other movies. And Netflix doesn't have to release box office. So, you know, if I make a big studio movie like Cats, which is a disaster, <laughs> you know, Tom Hooper has to live with the fact that everybody knows his movie played in this many screens and made this much money. Right. And Netflix doesn't have to do that. That's not fair. So I think a lot of people in the Academy say, hey, listen, it's a beautifully made film and it's powerful and it's poignant. And these are some of our greatest actors and one of our greatest directors. I mean, nine nominations for Marty, most of any director. We'll nominate it, but we're not going to let it win. We don't want to see Netflix win. We'll give you a seat at the table because it's undeniable. It's excellence, but we're not going to let you win. And um, and I think maybe for some people, I don't think home video was the best spot for it. I mean, I saw it three times in theaters. I haven't seen it on video. Like, I, I watched a couple scenes on Netflix that I love, but... I want to see it in the theaters. I watch a Marty movie in the theater. I, I don't think home video works. I heard a lot of people say, oh, it's too long or too slow. And I'm like, yeah, but when you're in the theater, you don't think like that because you're just, you know, you change your seat, you're watching it. When you're at home, you have distractions. You can watch 10 minutes, watch 20 minutes. So in that viewpoint, well, then, yeah, I guess it would be slow, but you shouldn't watch a movie like that. You should watch it in one sitting. So I don't think Netflix helped in, in that respect. But having said all of that, I'm glad Netflix is around because without them, the movie doesn't get made. Right. I mean, Scorsese and De Niro had a deal at Paramount for $100 million and Paramount blocked. And very quickly, Ted Sarandos from Netflix said, I'll give you whatever you want. You want Final Cut? Sure. Three hours and a half, three hours and 20 minutes? Sure. $170 million? Done. So <laughs> right. even even Scorsese said, listen, he is as classic a movie guy as he Listen, he wants his movie to the biggest screen possible. He's like Chris Nolan or Sam Mendes or any of these guys, Tarantino. So it hurts him to think people are watching this on their phones or on their iPads. But he also said, if the choice is the movie's not getting made, but it's getting made by Netflix, I don't think it get made. And the same thing for Marriage Story. I mean, ultimately, Netflix went two for 24 at the Oscars. But, you know, they hold their hat on the fact Laura Drum won Best Supporting Actress. Yep. And more filmmakers are going to come towards them, right? Noah Baumbach's going to say, I had a great experience with Netflix. And Netflix will say, listen, we can't put your movie in theaters except for a few small spots. But we are a real home for great filmmakers and creativity. We're not going to meddle with you. We'll let your vision come to the screen. And in this case, it'll be the small screen. So, you know, Netflix and Phyllis, we got Baumbach, we got Scorsese. We had a lot of nominations. We still haven't broken through for Best Picture win. But I think they're still happy with the amount of people that have obviously subscribed to the service. But I think there is some backlash in Netflix overall. Yeah. Well, Adnan, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Everyone... Definitely go download Cinephile because this man clearly knows what he's talking about. Um, and I just want to say welcome back to the Levitar Show. It was great to hear from you again, and I'm a big fan. I love the show, and we're glad you're back on it. Thank you, guys. I uh, I don't want to give away anything. Of course, the whole bit is that I'm cracking security, but but I was I was as shocked as anybody when they reached out to me. I said, "Are you sure everyone's okay with this?" But uh, I I don't think they've got. I mean, I can't get in trouble. Obviously, I've been gone for a year, but. Thankfully, they haven't gotten in trouble yet, so I hope I hope nobody gets disciplined, and hopefully, we'll be able to do it again. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, thanks, fellas. Take care. Hey, see you later. Once again, huge shout out to Adnan Verkpras for coming on our podcast. That was awesome. Next to Blake, our biggest guest we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it was just awesome to have him on. I know we were both a little nervous, as you can probably tell, but I I think I think we crushed it. He was a re- really generous for him to come on, and uh, he gave great answers. So check out Cinephile. Absolutely, I listened. To, I mean, the newest episode about the Oscars is fantastic, and the guy knows his stuff. Like, like we started off the interview, he went twenty-one for twenty-four. That's 
I mean, that's knowing your stuff. That's right. tied for his best ever. And he's a you know a fan of the Levitard show, so and he's got expansive sports knowledge. Yeah, he really does a lot. I mean, we know it's hard to not sell him short because of how much he right. does. Like, we try to cover <laughs> a lot, and he basically covers everything we try to cover. Right. And does it fantastic. So you know, he's an inspiration for both of us. CJ actually got to m- meet him. When he was down at his baseball dinner. Yep. Um, we didn't get to ask him any baseball questions, but maybe next time. If yeah. he's willing to come on again, maybe. we'll definitely have him on again. Um, so, yeah, it was just really cool. Shout out to Adnan Burke and definitely go listen to Cinephiles because it's a cinephile? Or was it not? Cinephile. Cinephile. It's an amazing movie podcast and you're bound to learn a thing or two. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's it. Yeah, well, that's the Oscars 20. 20- 20 and we'll oh, follow us on twitter at sports and stuff pod s-p-o-r-t-z-n-s-t-u-f-f-p-o-d yeah, we haven't done that in a while yeah. um yeah we are now available on spotify and apple 